It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And welcome back to the working week. This is Car Cone Carne, still stuck here at home. So it is Quarantine Cone Carne, presented by our friends at Siren Records in McHenry. You know, Record Store Day is coming up. This month's version of Record Store Day is happening on Black Friday. If you're looking for that must have Record Store Day vinyl, head in the direction of Siren Records in McHenry. So me, I'm James Van Alstel. Tomorrow morning, I'll be doing this. I, I'm not doing a podcast tomorrow night. I'm doing something tomorrow morning. Eight o'clock in the morning. Join me back here on Carcon Carne. Raymond Watts from Pig, one of the founding members of KMFDM, uh, will be joining me from overseas. He is amazing. The new Pig album is fantastic. And we'll be chatting bright and early over donuts and coffee. But tonight, joining me tonight, it is a band from Chicago who just put out their first album. The album is called Fixed Against Forever. They are Wrong War. It is Dan, Dave, Matthias, and Pat. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Hello, James. Howdy. Earlier today, previously on Wrong War, Pat posted on social media, who's ready for some tube and zoom action tonight with Wrong War on Caracon Carne? Let's get into this. Let's do this. <laughs> what, you're not serious? We'll right get, after let's just finish this beer. Right. You call yourself punk rock. Man, I just put away the tubes. <laughs> uh, so, wrong War. Uh, here we are, life under Zoom you guys started really kicking into high gear during the pandemic. Like you're, you're basically like a year old, but you really started accelerating the band during all this nonsense during this dumpster fire year, a uh, tricky time to, to really rev up as a new band, but you did it. Yeah. And you want to field that one, Pat? No, you, <laughs> uh, I think really Pat started to put this thing together. What a year and some ago, year and a half ago. Yeah, probably right. Uh, yeah, Pat started. Uh, he's known Dave for a long time. Pat and I met each other through some neighborhood parties, kind of hit it off by knowing. Uh, I kind of thought when I moved out to the suburbs, I was not going to be in a band anymore. But Pat kind of talked me to come back into it through some uh, being fans of some mutual bands. Uh, and then him and Dave have been friends forever. Uh, we actually did one show pre-pandemic, like a year ago from now. That's right. Uh, and then uh, Matt joined after that, and we kind of refigured things out. So really, once uh, the restrictions loosened up over the summer, we were able to get into a studio and record. So kind of worked out for us in that way. You got it in at the right time. Yeah, because I don't think it'd be happening now. Yeah, timing is everything. I'm impressed that you got or you met through neighborhood parties. I don't know my neighbors at all. <laughs> I just don't like no one's friendly. No one's nice. No one seems interested in anyone else yeah. I like that, that you have that little community wherever you are. Pat, Pat's also the mayor of the town. So it sure feels like it. Yeah. <laughs> All building <laughs> permits run through Pat. Yeah, he can be very convincing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We funny. got a couple of pra couple practices in before everything went south. Right. And then. Mm -hmm. And then we took our three or four months off where we were just sort of strategizing and planning and not really practicing or writing anything until things kind of settled a little bit. We could find a way to practice relatively safely and 
and then eventually get into the studio to record. Uh, but it was a challenge for sure. I mean, yeah, awkward. <laughs> and yeah, there was a short time where we were trying to figure out how to all record at home, and we were all, yeah. and that was going nowhere. <laughs> and, and Matt, you were the last piece of the puzzle, right? You were the yeah. These guys were were kind of grooving, and then they locked you in. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, I like, I told the story not too long ago, but I had, I met Pat like. I've lived out in this area about eight years or so. Uh, the house we bought needed a ton of work. And I had hired Pat's company to put windows into the house. And, um, you know, we were going Thank over, <laughs> we were going over, I don't know, grill patterns and, and sashes or whatever, whatever <laughs> that terminology is in windows. And, uh, you know, Pat saw my record cabinet. And uh, then we started talking about people we both know in the Chicago area and, old punk and uh, old discord releases. And, uh, and then, you know, our kids have been in the same class, I, I think since what kindergarten, maybe. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so we've just seen each other around and we know we have similar interests. Pat had been playing a couple other bands and then he, uh, he kind of threw this out. And I, at first, I mean, I was like, I don't know. I mean, it's been a long time since I've done music. I think the last active, band i had was in 2003 2004 or something like that so uh, life's busy now and I, I wasn't sure at first but uh i i bit and uh and i'm glad i did because it's been a lot of fun so well the album again is fixed against forever uh it, it is short fast to the point this is a political album whose songs aren't overtly political you can as a listener you can interpret them however you want but I, I listen to a song like direct function and I, I hear politics or raging against politics throughout the album. I, I mean, I think lyrically that it, it's, it's a personal album for me in terms of like the way relationships have changed over the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years really. And more, uh, you know, more to the point, the last three and a half, four years, um, and how you kind of have to like work that out, whether it be uh, with entire groups of people or uh, uh, individuals, I think. So, I mean, it's, it's got a political tinge to it because it's a personal for me, for sure. Um, I mean, I think, I think for me, when I approach writing lyrics and stuff, I mean, if I think back to when I first got into music, like really started liking music, I mean, uh, you know, post discovering bands like Devo and the Sparks and, really digging into like punk i grew up in small town michigan and uh you know for me punk was my way out uh window to a larger world and i i think like through the years i've often thought and particularly and i was thought about it a lot when i was writing these lyrics was that i mean i don't think anything i write or any song that we make you know it's, it's not going to change necessarily like anything directly but Maybe there's that me when I was, you know, 13 or 14 years old who like hears music and it opens some door, some window and, and gets people thinking, gets kids thinking more than anything. I mean, do a bunch of <laughs> aging, <laughs> gray haired, uh, you know, punks reach the 13, 14 year old kid these days? I, I don't know, maybe, but uh, that's where I like to think it was going, you know. And an answer to that question, I think so. I think so. I think if you go to Riot Fest, this cross-generational thing, you see kids who are high school age mixing it up with you crazy gray beards. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. You fit in with that one too. Yeah. Right? I caught myself there. Thanks. Thank you, Dan. 
appreciate that. Uh, but you know, speaking about politics, this is something I've come back to a couple times during this pandemic. I'm surprised that more bands aren't writing political stuff. I'm surprised that more bands aren't pushing big middle fingers at the existing establishment songs than are right now. Or maybe I'm not hearing, but it sure doesn't seem like there's a lot of that stuff going on. And if ever there was a time, I, th- I would think this year would be it. I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. I've seen a lot of my friends have been pretty uh, honest about where they're at with their music. And a lot of people are like, I think people are struggling right now to like, at least certain people are like struggling to be creative. Like that there's a lack of motivation, even though there's all the inspiration in the world, if you just right in front of our faces, it also can become a little bit overwhelming, you know, the last several months, especially we've all just had everything just pounded in our face like every day Yeah, where I think people are, um, I guess lacking the motivation to like do it, you know, but hopefully that's changing. I I know a lot of friends of mine just started practicing again for the first time in months, you know, so we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it's there. And and certainly that's not, certainly that is something I've heard time and again throughout the pandemic. It's really hard. I mean, people are mourning the loss of jobs, livelihoods, health, loved ones. This is a tough time to navigate through. Uh, you guys found the creative spark. What was different with you? I, I, for me personally, I, I don't, I don't know how I'd be getting through it without music. You know, um, I'm not the kind of person that like sits and listens to music all the time. Like I like to create things and I like, I like doing that with friends. And, um, you know, we found a way to, to be able to do that in a time that's you know, been a difficult year, probably for, for most people. Um, you know, for me, there's a, a couple of things that, you know, helps keep me kind of sane and, and music has always been one of them. Um, and, and, you know, the human connection, even though, I mean, we're obviously not hanging out together as much as, you know, Pat and I used to when we were, you know, 23 in a band, but, um, having that human connection, even if it's just texting each other song ideas or, you know, Pat sending me something, Hey, I just came up with this, you know, what do you think about that? And then me, you know, picking up my bass at, you know, 1130 at night and coming up with something that comes back and sending it back like that collaboration and that companionship, um, even though you're not always physically there to me has been like, you know, a lifesaver. And I think it has been for, you know, hopefully a lot of people too, um, if they found a way to kind of maintain that kind of that human connection during a time when it's kind of been harder for a lot of people to do that. Sure. I, I would tell a lot of bands early on in the pandemic who questioned whether or not to put music out during the pandemic, would say, please do it. Don't wait for when you can tour to support it. Get content out there. We music listeners, we fans are craving that connection to music just as the creator's enjoy making the music and, and count on making in that creative process. I mean, this is, this is an opiate for us being able to hear it. So I'm glad you guys yeah, cranked this out. We've all been on probably all sides of it. We're like, uh, including being in bands and having a great kind of batch of songs and like, they never get put out. You know what I mean? Um, for w- one reason or another. So I think once we kind of realized that this was sort of clicking and was, you know, had some legs. We were like the exact opposite. We were all in to make it happen 
fast and get it out to the world as soon as possible to the point where even amongst the four of us, it was like, no way, there's not enough time. We'll never be able to get it done. And we were like, yeah, we, we said, you know, it was, it was pretty obvious choice. We said election day is a, a deadline and just figured like, we'll worry about everything else later. Let's just get it out digitally as quickly as possible. Yeah. I mean, I think originally our plan was to demo these songs, like to record them locally and just basically demo them for a recording session later when, when we, and then, you know, once we got into the thick of it, we were like, Oh, you know, this is sounding good. We can finish this and do another batch of songs essentially next time around, hopefully. Yep. So looking ahead, this album just came out. Obviously, you figured out your footing. I mean, the set, this is a very accomplished sounding album. You guys really, it clicked. And it sounds, forget this whole demo concept. I mean, this sounds like a big honking punk rock record. You, you know what's kind of funny? Like, um, like Pat, Dan, and I were playing together as a three-piece for a while uh, before, you know, we, you know, really had an op before Matt was even an, an, an option or, or we knew that he was available or interested to play with us and still um, under contract. Yeah. <laughs> he was still under contract. Right. Um, you know, and we, part of the reasons we, we were kind of stick keeping it as a three piece, I think was because it, it made it really simple. It's just three people, three schedules. We can find, you know, two hours a week to get together and do it. And, you know, part of our, kind of hesitation to adding a fourth person, I think was just because of what we were dealing with and the complications that that might bring. But I think, you know, once we made that decision and and that decision was made like the first time we, you know, Matt came and, you know, brought his ideas. It was, it was obviously a no brainer. I mean, like Pat and I have, you know, s- you know, sang in, in bands before, but, it was nothing like what, what Matt brought that energy um, was something that, uh, and that uh, intensity was, was something that was lacking and, and Matt brought that um, and then some, and uh, I think from there, we really got excited about, okay, you know, maybe we got a little bit of window here. Let's do something with it. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of where, that's kind of where it went. And with, Mike, with uh, Matt bringing up that it was going to be a demo originally, we went in and recorded with our friend Mike Manti in, in Brookfield in his house and uh, got to give him props because like, I think it sounded better than any of us thought it would. Um, so then it just, we're like, oh. once he started mixing it, we're like, oh shit, well this. Yeah, I've recorded a lot of demos in my day and we came out of there that after that first night of tracking or whatever, I was like, oh, this already sounds a million times better than any demo I've ever recorded. So Matt, focusing on you for a second, coming up in Detroit and leaving Detroit, that area, compare the, the scene that you came up into the scene you're in now. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I lived in Detroit through the mid nineties, was involved in uh, a couple of punk venues and a bunch of bands and a record label in Michigan back then. So I was pretty involved so it was a very different time for me. Um, and, uh, you know, where I think like that was the focus of my whole life. I mean, I was going to college and doing the things I was supposed to be doing, but like, you know, I, I thought about music all the time. When can we 
play out? When can we, uh, you know, what, what bands are coming through? Who's doing shows? What records can we put out? Um, and I, I left Michigan and, and moved around a bit before landing in Chicago. And I spent, I don't know, maybe about five or six years uh, playing in some bands locally here in Chicago, going to shows, um, and then kind of burnt out on a lot of it. Uh, burnt out on the record label, for sure. I closed that down after about 13 years um, and just got really busy with other things. I mean, this is even all before family and, and all of that. And uh, so, I mean, it, it's just very different for me now. I mean, you know, like I'm older, I, I've kind of been away for maybe 10 years or so at this point. Um, but if it wasn't for the pandemic, I, I don't know uh, if I would be doing some of the things I'm doing right now. And that is I've gone back and I've revisited Every, you know, the 25 plus releases I put out under my, my label back in the 90s. I've been digitizing them, getting them available in various streaming formats. Um, and then the other catalyst, of course, was to get this Wrong War uh, LP, I guess EP LP, <laughs> somewhere in between, uh, out also. So, I mean, those two things together, like, you know, made me rem- like kind of click the switch and be like, oh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. And where did the last 10 years of, you know, go in that regards? So you you mentioned the nineties, there's a song on fixed against forever in particular, all you ever, uh, all you ever knew, which to me has a total nineties vibe to it. Yeah. I've had a few people say, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's nothing the, wrong I, with that. Nothing. Yeah, wrong. No, no, no. Uh, and when you mentioned LP EP, when you guys first put this album out, when you push it out into the uh, universe, I did see a lot of people commenting and I'd like to echo that. Uh, we want to see this on vinyl. Yeah, we've gotten that a bit. So, I mean, it'll happen. Uh, awesome. That's all. That's all we need to know. Yeah, right now. It'll definitely happen. It's just a matter of who's doing it and when, I guess, but it'll happen. Awesome. All right. So again, the album is fixed against forever. It is streamable in all the places where streaming happens. Uh, You are wrong war and pretty awesome debut guys. Well done. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, James.